quiet your mind. Ever since the Earth has circled the sun, there have been fantastic tales of wonder and mystery that the faint of heart dare not discuss. But three brave, uninformed souls have the brass to tackle every extraordinary happenstance from the modern age to the dawn of Mantis. Welcome to Dawn of Mantis, a variety podcast. Joe, Sam, I've got some exciting news. Oh, good. We got a voicemail. Oh, right. So if you're just tuning in or you haven't heard about this, we have a voicemail line. You can call anytime, 417-462-6847 or 417-4MANTIS, spelled out. So uh, Ken called in, our great friend Ken. Ken! Can you talk about Ken a little bit? Ken's a pal of ours. He's yeah. a, he's a, a fan of ours from Australia. But he wasn't before, just to be clear. Like, he found us through the podcast. Yes. Like, like we didn't say, hey, could you call in for us? <laughs> that would be awesome. No, he discovered us. Favorite. Well, he's going to explain how he discovered us. But yeah, he's a pal of ours, and we've communicated with him several times through uh, messaging and stuff. But this is the first time. I forgot to hear that buttery, smooth Australian accent. Yeah, yeah. I, the message was awesome. I listened to it like 10 times. Cool. So without further ado, here's Ken. Yeah. Hey, guys. This is Ken ringing from Adelaide. South Australia, and uh, yeah, I just thought I'd leave a quick message and say, yeah, big fan, obviously, of the show, and uh, yeah, I came across the uh, podcast originally from the Buddy Holly uh, series, but uh, since then, yeah, I've really enjoyed uh, listening to lots of them, including the, uh, I think a few highlights would be the Murder in the Mountains and maybe Frank Nitty, pretty good stuff, and always gives me a good laugh as well, um, yeah, it's good stuff, so Keep up the great work, and uh, yeah, all the best from uh, South Australia. See you guys. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, what I'm going to immediately say about that is it makes me happy to hear his voice, but it also makes me a little sad because now I now realize how bad my Australian accent was because he didn't, like, call in and say, Good eye, Mots. <laughs> how your bloody blocks doing? And we'd, we'd look at each other and be like, We've been nailing it. <laughs> We've been nailing it. But we no. sound just like him. Yeah. No, no, we. Yeah. Uh, anyway, don't listen again, and then go back and listen to one of our Australian accents. <laughs> uh, it's not. It's not good. But Ken thought it was funny, uh, which means it's not good. It means it's funny. But that's okay. That's what we're going for. That's right? what we're going for. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that works out. <laughs> so, Sam, how are you tonight? We haven't heard from you yet. I'm doing great. All right. Sam's busy tonight, more, Sam, more than yeah, usual. Yeah, we got some video going. So, uh, trying to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. This is our first time to actually try to live stream this thing on uh, YouTube. So, uh, for those of you out there, we're going to maybe keep dabbling in this. So, uh, I mean, you just type in Dawn of Mantis on YouTube, and I think that it's an easy find. Yeah, if you right? type, yeah, go to your search bar and type in Dawn of Mantis podcast, and it'll come. That's probably the first thing that'll come yeah, up. Yeah, just making sure. Yeah. Okay. I feel like Ricky Bobby on this video. I'm like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Yeah, I don't know either. I'm like, I'm just like, okay. Because yeah. I think usually I just kind of like whatever you feel like doing is what you do because yeah. it's pure audio. Well, I always kind of felt like I had a face for podcasting. Well, yeah, so, definitely. Which now now that throws that out the window. Why are we doing this? Like, yeah. This is my idea too to throw no, a video. A, I don't like that. Now, now okay. I regret it. I regret it. It's okay. You, I do know that from the past of like seeing the radio DJ you've been listening to for years is really weird. Yeah. They never look like they... They thought. No. I know that they thought that I probably looked like Fabio <laughs> and I didn't have my shirt on and I had I was real cut, but 
Sorry to disappoint. I'm I'm not that. Yeah. Sorry. And meanwhile, they're like, oh, Joey sounded like a bridge troll and looks like one. <laughs> or a leprechaun. My own daughter calls me that. So a real ego booster there. So as long as you're not the evil one from the scary movies. We're good. <laughs> I just gotta remember not to pick my nose. That's okay. John, as long do as it. I don't do that. Do it. You get more views. No, I'll that do way. that. People will be like, oh, they're human. Yeah, they're human. They're humans. In case they didn't know In before. Case. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I'm happy to be back here in studio with you fellas. All right, yeah, I'm I'm happy. I'm glad to be here. We missed last time, so here we're back. We're back, but the public doesn't know because we were a little bit ahead. So that's awesome. That's called breaking the fourth ball. You know what? That's okay. That's okay. We can do that. Yeah, some from time to time. Absolutely. Okay, what do we got tonight? We've got a weird one. Oh, another weird one. Oh yeah, the episode tonight is about a fella named Carl Tanzler. Carl. Tansler. And the living doll. Oh, yeah. I know a little bit about the story. Yeah, I've, I've teased it on you guys a little bit. Weird is an understatement, sir. But, yeah. but it's okay. I mean, I don't know what I would have chosen, you know, to, to say. But, uh, yeah, weird is... Uh, Colorful? To put it lightly. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's might be the best word. Maybe we need to invent a new word because it's, cr- <laughs> it's crazy. Anyway, let's go with shall it. Shall we? We shall. All right, so Carl Tanzler, a.k.a. George Carl Tanzler, a.k.a. Carl Tanzler von Kossel, a.k.a. Count Carl Tanzler von Kossel. Okay. Something wrong with that when someone have that many a.k.a.s. Yeah, that's wrong. right. That's right. Something's wrong. He was born in Dresden, Germany on the 8th of February in 1877. We don't know a lot about his childhood, but we do know that Carl and his only sibling, one sister, had a fairly normal and unremarkable early life in Imperial Germany. Well, with one exception. Beginning very early on, Carl claimed to have visions of a supposed ancestor of the Causal family who had passed away in 1765. Hmm. A German noblewoman named Countess Anna Constantia van Kossel. In the visions, the Countess would show young Carl an image of his one true love, a slender, beautiful woman with coal black hair. Hmm. Then she said, this will be the woman you are destined to be with. Or whatever, uh, whatever accent she would have. German. Uh, this that, will be the woman you destined to be with. And that sticks with them. Obviously. It sticks with them. Or else you wouldn't be bringing it up. Exactly. Okay. Very nice. Foreshadowing. I like it. In school, Carl was a bright student from the get-go and had many hobbies that included science and astronomy. And he was always taking things apart to see how they worked and trying to build things. Throughout his teenage years and early 20s, not much is known, but we do know that Carl decided to travel to the South Seas Islands. He traveled from his home in Germany to India, then to Australia, again, where, that was good. That one, yeah, where that he, wasn't bad. <laughs> it was because it was two words. It wasn't long enough for me to screw it up. Oh, that's true. <laughs> uh, anyway, to Australia where he uh, restocked on supplies, like he grabbed some Vegemite, some Fosters, um... Yeah, I know. I think Ken told me, I think Foster's hasn't really been a thing in Australia for a long time. Really? Yeah. Oh, I just had this picture. That's all they do is just drink Foster's just, all They the just time. drink Foster's and hang out with kangaroos. You know, by the way, if there's not already, there, there will eventually be an accent wokeness. Like if you butcher it. That's true. I don't know. I just thought it. No, I think, that. yeah. Or, or you'll be called a culture vulture if you just do an impersonation of a, someone else's accent or something. Yeah, because... Uh, it hurts someone somehow. <laughs> I'm not sure. Cue the board on the wall with uh, 500 little red pins and all the yarn. Like, how does this offend someone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll figure it out. They find a way. I just know it does. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he restocks supplies in Australia. Uh, and then he finds a suitable boat and familiarizes himself with the local weather patterns in preparation 
on finishing his journey. So this guy's pretty interesting and, and pretty intelligent. Sure. Yeah. However, uh, while down under, mm-hmm. Carl became involved in some engineering and, electri- and electrical work, which kept him in place much longer than he initially intended. In fact, he ended up purchasing property there and had even begun work on a trans-ocean flyer. But that was all derailed with the outbreak of World War I in 1914. After this, Carl, along with many other Germans around the world, were placed in internment camps and kept under careful watch for the next four years. Wow. After the war finally ended in 1918, Carl was released but not allowed to return to his former residence in Australia. Instead, he was sent to a prisoner's exchange in Holland, from which he traveled back to Germany and stayed with his mother for the next few years. A prisoner's exchange? Is that like a, yeah, I don't know. Like a I mean, foreign exchange student? Yeah, I, w- I guess you're just trading prisoners for other prisoners? Prisoner exchange. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. It's just like you think you would trade for the ones that wouldn't try to escape, you know? It's like, <laughs> and you could have more minimum security prisons, you know? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I just never heard of a prisoner exchange. I, I haven't either. How yeah. long have you been in the Jerry? It's like, I've, <laughs> they sent me here from South Wales, and it's in America. This is really weird. Yeah, so you trade for two prisoners and a future first-round draft pick. That's <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I could make sense of. Then in 1920, 43-year-old Carl met and married 31-year-old Doris Schaefer. Two years later, they had a daughter named Aisha, I believe, and in 1924, they had a second daughter named Clarista. Okay. By all accounts, Carl loved Doris, but in the back of his mind, he couldn't forget the raven-haired beauty shown to him in those childhood visions. Wow. Mm -hmm. Doris was definitely not that woman. Not not Doris or anything. Doris was fine. I'm sure she was fine. She had sturdy, childbearing hips. She mm-hmm. could make a wonderful baked Alaska. Yeah, I'm sure she could. She scrubbed the floors vigorously. All these years, what have I done? <laughs> raised your daughter and your supper and your son. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or something like that. I raised your supper. <laughs> well, uh, they had a garden. Sorry, that Sawyer Brown. Sense. That yeah. makes sense. They had a garden. I ra- That's right, exactly. I'm helping you out. Thanks, man. Good job. I, I needed it there. But Carl still held out hope one day that he would finally meet this mystery lady. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm not trying to go all Stephen Stills or whatever, but love the one you're with. Oh, see, I you was know, like, is that Stills? Yeah, I think it yeah, is. Yeah, Crosby, Stills, and Nash? Was that, but that was when he went solo, I think. Oh, I don't know. Maybe. I'm not sure about that. But we don't have to look it up. It's not that important. <laughs> duck, duck, go at home if you want, if you're so Yeah, inclined. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what about, if you can't be with the one you love, honey. Love the All I'm going to do is bring up music the entire night. Every That's time good. you say something, I'm just going to throw out a song. That's fine. It doesn't have to go with it or anything. Just The basic message of that song was settle. Yeah, well, that's what it sounds like. Settle. I mean, no, 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 no. I, I, I take that differently. I take I'm that kidding. Go ahead. There's a quote. Yeah, I know you're kidding, but <laughs> there's a quote by John Wooden, the guy that won ten national championships in basketball. He said that uh, things turn out best for those who make the best out of the way things turn out. So it's basically just, you know, you made the choice. Now you got to be content. You got to be happy with the things you have. You got to be happy with you know, whatever you have instead of just always looking down the road at yeah. something else, you know? So I think that's what the essence of that song is. I know you're joking, but just in case somebody thought you were being serious. <laughs> just in case. I'm never serious, so you should know. In 1926, Carl decided to immigrate to the United States, where his sister was already living. He sailed from the city of Rotterdam in the Netherlands on February 6th to Havana, Cuba. From Cuba, Carl traveled into the U.S. and ultimately to the city of... Zephyr Hills, Florida, located roughly 30 miles northeast of Tampa. 
It was in the U.S. that Carl started using the name von Kossel. He was always quick to let you know that he was related to the famous German countess, although we don't know if that's actually true. Not long after settling in Zephyr Hills, Carl was joined by his wife and two daughters. However, in 1927, not long after their arrival, Carl left them to take a job as a radiology technician at a U.S. Marine hospital in Key West, 400 miles to the south. Hmm, that's a good jog then. That, that's Even ba- now. That's basically leaving his family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so he left his family. <laughs> he also went by the name Count Carl von Kossel when he got to the hospital. Not only was Carl not really a count, he wasn't really an x-ray tech either, nor was he associated with the medical profession in any way. Wow. He claimed to have nine degrees from the University of Leipzig in Dresden, but that was a lie. Have you ever heard of the University of Leip- Leipzig? Leipzig? No. Can't say that I have. That sounds like something, I mean, the internet wasn't around then, but it sounds like something that you could, send, uh, you could get online. Yeah, it's probably the equivalent of the University of Phoenix <laughs> back then. Rise from the ashes. You do it via telegraph. What are you doing? Turning on my homework. In eight months, you get a little rolled up scroll in the mail. That's your diploma. Ye graduated. It came to you like via horseback and uh, on a steamer across the Atlantic that took seven months to... <laughs> However, I must add that Carl was intelligent and apparently was able to perform his duties there without any... So he, he faked it till he made it. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. That takes talent, too. Yes. Uh, he was a rather dignified, stately-looking fellow who spoke with quite a bit of authority. And you'd be surprised how far many people have made it using the fake it till you make it strategy. Oh, yeah. I mean, how long have we been doing this podcast? Three years. Yeah. Still faking it. There we go. <laughs> but we're going to make it. And not making it. No, we're kind of making it. It's a steady climb up. We're climbing to making it. We've gotten calls from California to Australia. We've we have. made it. We've made it. We have. Yeah. Yeah. And a few other ones. A few other we ones. We can't mention. No. But that's okay. That's all right. On April 22nd, 1930, the woman from Carl's Visions walked into his office. He knew at the moment he saw her, she was a young Cuban girl who had been brought in by her mother for an examination. Her name was Maria Elena Malagro de Hoyos. And she said, I'm looking for the man who killed my father. Oh, <laughs> nice, nice. But she went by Elena. Okay. <laughs> Elena was born in 1909, so she was 21 years old at the time, and Carl was 53. So yeah, a little that's bit, not so big yeah. of a difference. No. <laughs> not, not bad at all. She was a local born and bred in Key West, where her father, Pancho Hoyos, made his living working in a local cigar factory. However, after the end of World War I, it seems that most Americans had switched to cigarettes, and Pancho was struggling to support the family. Oh, no. Her mother's name was Aurora Milagro, and she had two sisters, Florinda and Celia. Elena certainly fit the physical characteristics of Carl's dream woman. She was slender, had jet black hair, and was very beautiful. In fact, she was known around Key West for her beauty. She could usually be found at the Cuban Club in Key West, dancing with a red rose in her hair. She had gotten married a few years prior to a man named Louis Mesa, and she had become pregnant. However, when she miscarried the baby, Louis, being the gentleman he was, blamed her and left. Oh, it's your fault. You have not provided a hospitable uterus for my child, therefore I am gone. (laughs) Like, who does that? Yeah. Miscarriages are terrible. They are. And they're like detrimental to women's health mentally and physically for long periods of time. I've seen it with my own eyes. Yeah. What an utter complete asshole. Yeah, I was actually kind of cold about 
one that we had uh, years ago. And I started catching on that I was being cold about it. And then I had to like backpedal and be like, oh, I'm sorry. Because I didn't take it as tough, obviously, but she did. And I had to be like, whoa. I had to re- really re-examine my reaction. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I didn't like blame her. That's not as bad to say as you know you didn't do. Yeah. You didn't say, way to go. Yeah. I'm trying to do anything but blame her. I'm out. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> nice guy. Yeah. Sounds like a big jerk. Hopefully. <laughs> but her visit to the quote unquote doctor, Von Kossel, that day had nothing to do with pregnancy or the miscarriage or anything of that sort. No. Elena had been diagnosed with what at the time was basically a fatal disease, tuberculosis. Okay. I was, I, for some reason, I was thinking leukemia, but yeah, you're right. That's it's tuberculosis. Old, the old, good old TB. Yeah. As we said, Carl fell in love at first sight with Elena, which in his defense, many men probably did. I mean, she was, in in modern terms, she was a real dime. You know what I'm saying? She was a real dime piece. And I mean, even if she didn't perfectly fit the vision, I mean, as a 50-year-old dude that has a pretty girl come in in contact with him. Yeah. So he's like, that's the vision. Yeah. His brain just like did the rest. Yeah. You know, made it fit. His Brain or his penis? Well, <laughs> his penis brain. As soon as she walks in, the penis is like, that's her! By Jove, that's her! That's the one we've been looking for! Make this happen for us! Yeah, I mean, she fit the bill and he didn't even know it until he saw her, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very nice. However, Carl was convinced she was the one that he had been shown by the ghostly specter of his long-gone ancestor and countess. Carl claimed to possess medical skills and knowledge far above his own and promised Elena that he would cure her. The other doctors she had seen had told her there was basically no hope. And they were right, but here was this stately gentleman doctor who was claiming he was going to save her. Elena put all her faith in Carl, began a treatment of homemade tonics, herbs, and tried a whole host of conventional medicines along with electrical and radiation therapies. We must remember that Carl had no medical training, especially in the treatment of TB. So for all we know, he could have been making her worse. We don't know. Yeah. He also illegally, I might add, snuck much of his X-ray medical equipment out of his house and into Elena's where he could treat her in the comfort of her own home. Yeah. So he was smitten. Sure. He was in deep smit. Yeah. He was going to do whatever he could. Yeah. Carl also professed his undying love for her and showered her with gifts, jewelry, and clothing. He spent much of his free time at the Hoyos' home treating her and even proposed to her several times. Maybe flattered, but most likely a little put off, she politely declined, citing her poor health and the fact that she and Lewis were technically still married since they had never got an official divorce. That was a nice way of letting him down. Sorry, I'm taken. Sort of. And I'm going to be dead in a few months. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Remember that Carl, too, was still married at this time, even though he had abandoned his family back in Zephyr Hills. Mm. But he didn't, he didn't bring that up. Despite Carl's frantic efforts to save her life, Elena passed away in her parents' home in Key West on October 25th, 1931. Wow, we almost uh, did this on that anniversary. Carl was completely devastated and inconsolable. He asked her equally grief-stricken parents if he could pay for her funeral and burial expenses, and they agreed. Carl did indeed provide Elena with a beautiful funeral, but her family was kind of surprised at her internment. Instead of a burial, Carl had a large mausoleum constructed with a single steel door on the front. It is claimed by some that Carl had the only key to the lock on the door. 
How true this is, I don't know. I think it ultimately, it pretty much proves that it is true later, but we'll get to that, I guess. Yeah. If any, I mean, spoiler. yeah. Spoiler. No, no spoiler. that's not a spoiler because uh, the rest has to be true. Because mm-hmm. of what happened. Yeah. I can't wait to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Starting on the very day she was laid to rest, Carl began to visit Elena's tomb almost nightly. Isn't that sweet? That is. It's very sweet. <laughs> he would sit there for hours talking to her, and we don't really know what else. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying. I don't know. And this was Carl von Kossel Carl, slash Carl Tanzler's life for the next year and a half. Almost every night, he'd visit. He'd work at the hospital during the day and spend most nights with Elena in her tomb. Then, in April of 1933, Carl was fired from the hospital, and almost at the same time, the visits to Elena stopped. Her family was perplexed and also relieved. The lovesick doctor must finally have gotten over her and moved on with his life. Sure he did. <laughs> the reality is so much creepier. See, Carl had been having visions again. But this time it was not Countess von Kossel. This time it was Elena herself. She would beg Carl to remove her from the cold, lonely mausoleum and take her home. She would also sing an old Spanish hymn called La Bola Negra which in English is The Black Wedding. Oh. The song tells the story of a young man who is distraught over the premature death of his sweetheart. And he's so sad that he digs up her body and brings it back to his home, where he lays her on a bed of roses and recites wedding vows and finally commits suicide next to her. Was it like, nice day for a black wedding? <laughs> no, wait, that's a different song. Sorry. I thought I had the tune there for a minute. No, that would be... Or remember that. Last Dance with Mary Jane. Like, that's where... Ooh, yes. Remember that video? Yeah, Dancing with Dead Kim Basinger. Yeah. One more time to feel the pain. Yeah. I don't think you're quite saying it's it like harmonica that. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. God damn, that was a good song. It was. So one evening under the cover of darkness, Carl removed her from the tomb and carted her back to his house on a toy wagon. Was it a radio flyer? <laughs> Dead for two years at this point, his main priority was preserving her body. Mind you, Carl had already been doing this for some time while she was in the tomb. He was injecting her with formaldehyde and other substances during his nightly visits. But time had still ravaged poor Elena's corpse. Once at his home, Carl went to work trying to salvage what he could of the poor girl's corpse. He later wrote about the process in his memoirs, which he has memoirs, and they're really detailed if you ever want to know all this. Wow. He wrote... With the greatest care, (laughs) I detached the uppermost layers of cloth, which were overgrown and covered with slimy molds. All of those which did not come off easily, I left on her body to soak for the time being, as it might injure her delicate skin, which I wanted to keep intact. Analytics just (laughs) called. We just lost the entire country in Germany. (laughs) We didn't even do any Hitler stuff yet. I was not surprised to find small maggots which were feeding on the blood around her head and ears and on the surface of her abdomen. The odor was overpowering. I feel like you're doing a great job, though, really. He undressed the body and redressed it in fine clothing and adorned it with jewelry and a lot of perfume. (laughs) (laughs) He placed Elena in his bed and slept by her every night. As she further decomposed, he used several deodorants and cleaning agents to mask the smell. To fix her decaying skin, he covered her in silk that had been soaked in uh, plaster of Paris and wax. 
to keep her form, he filled her shrinking abdomen and chest cavity with rags. Carl saved her hair as it fell from her scalp and made a wig. And he also placed glass eyes into her skull. So just get a... <laughs> I'm, there's going to be a picture up on the social meds after this. There's a picture of what uh, eventually he made of her. Carl made preserving Elena his full-time job. He'd cook for her, carry on in hours-long conversations, and act as though he were in a relationship with a real live woman. He developed a theory that if he could get her body <laughs> into space, the radiation would bring her back to life. This is, no, this is no shit. There's a picture of this online, too. Carl constructed a vehicle he called Elena's Airship in his backyard to do just that, but of course it never worked. Mm. Yeah, he was going to blast her into space. The radiation was going to microwave her back to life, and she was going to come, I'm a real girl. She's going to poop out all the rags, I guess. <laughs> It'd be like a clown when they pull all the rags out of their sleeve. It's like, my God, how many did I put in here? He would later claim that Elena came back to life for a brief time and tried to get up from the bed, but he reminded her that her body was not in good condition and urged her not to. Regardless, Carl finally had the woman from his dreams, and they'd be together forever. Yeah. But it wasn't quite forever. Eventually, people started to get suspicious, especially Elena's family. Carl was always in town buying women's clothing, jewelry, and perfumes, but had never actually been seen with a woman. So that's weird. They just thought maybe he was doing the Buffalo Bill thing in his basement. <laughs> Even worse. Yeah. After a neighborhood boy looked into the living room window and saw Carl dancing with what appeared to be a life-size doll, rumors started to swirl that the kooky old doctor had stolen Elena's body from the cemetery. The rumors continued for years, actually, until finally Elena's sister, Florinda, decided to find out for herself whether or not they were true. In October of 1940, the year my parents got married, hmm. and month, sorry, uh, and also the month and uh, year that uh, John Lennon was born. Oh, wow. Yeah, they got married on the day he was born, October, oh, wow. October 9th, 1940. That's cool. Yeah, I always thought that was cool. No one cares listening, but that's what, that's what happened. Well, I care. <laughs> Over seven years since he had taken Elena, Florinda stormed into Carl's house and confronted him about the rumors. She demanded that he take her to Elena's mausoleum, open it, and prove that her casket was still there. Knowing the jig was finally up, Carl hung his head and said, Come with me. I will show you, Elena. <laughs> it gets oh, Sam every time. No. Every time. As he led Florinda to his room. There, she discovered what ended up being the corpse of her dead sister. Obviously, she went straight to authorities, and they came directly to Carl's home and verified the gruesome discovery. Wow. I got nothing. That's crazy. <laughs> this is where I keep her. I have to excuse the mess. Carl Tanzler was arrested and taken to jail where he was administered a psychiatric evaluation and deemed mentally competent to stand trial. Elena's body was examined, then, this is kind of weird, put on public display at the Lopez Funeral Home in Key West. Nearly 9,000 curious Floridians came to see her. Hmm. School was even let out for the kids to go see her. Really? That's true. I read, a, uh, I read a, an interview from a guy that was like 10 at the time, and he remembers being let out of school and going and seeing the, the corpse. Wow. Different time. Well, the kids just won't do any work. They'll, all they could think about is that corpse. <laughs> so we're going to close school. <laughs> just let them get it out of their system. Now will you do your arithmetic? <laughs> so weird, man. 
Meanwhile, word of the bizarre love affair spread across the entire nation. Believe it or not, most of the public was sympathetic to Carl at the time. And he was generally viewed more as a hopeless romantic than an obsessive psychopath. This is probably because suspicions of necrophilia, which we've all been dancing around, or I, it crossed my mind. I don't know about you guys. I mean, he slept by her for years. Yeah, you know oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. I got gotcha. you. All right. It was just, it hit me. I just thought it was Carl funny. was constantly seen buying Trojans, even though he was never seen in the presence of a lady. Which without that would even be pointless. So I don't want to get. Wouldn't want to get her pregnant. No, <laughs> have a zombie baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, but the the thing, the necrophilia thing, didn't come up till over thirty years later, and that was when two doctors who had been present at Elena's autopsy came forward to say that a a paper tube lined with silk had been discovered in her vaginal area. Mm, no, no. Now they didn't say why. But if you just want to use your imagination for a quarter second, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think, I can't imagine any other reason why. Yeah, I mean, it was before remote controls, so it wasn't like a, <laughs> a pouch for, you know. What? Could you hold the Roku remote? <laughs> That's the... <laughs> I just can't think of anything That's else. That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. That's... <laughs> Could you keep the remote warm? No! No, she couldn't. It would not... No. Damn. <laughs> That's just... Yeah. This is not Elena. This is... I put my remote controls for the television. Look. I don't know what you're thinking. What was you thinking? No, that's disgusting. I would never do that. This is what I keep for the Roku. Right? <laughs> that's all this is. My God, did you think that I would... No, never. Anyway. Then why is the gallon of KY right by the numbskin? That was too far. See, right, my wife's right. I, I take it right then. I just go too far. Um, it is good antiseptic for the... After, I don't know. Um, I just like doing the, like the exit. Was um, KY out then? <laughs> no, I doubt it. That'd be petroleum jelly. Yeah, probably. Why is or that some kind of whale oil? Or fifty whale oil. <laughs> I don't know. Just, just trying to think what they Moby might be. Moby Dick used. for real. Oh. No. Oh God. There it went. Um, anyway, this wasn't brought up at Carl's hearing, and maybe because everyone was just like, didn't want to bring it up. It's I don't too know. graphic. It's just too graphic. Yeah, they were just like, let's just let this one slide. Yeah. I don't know. To say to say that this was a bizarre case was an understatement, and local authorities didn't know exactly how to handle it. They didn't even know if any laws had technically been broken. However, it was eventually decided that Carl had been charged with, and I quote, wantonly and maliciously destroying a tomb. Okay. But the statute of limitations, even for that crime, had run out. So, just days after the discovery of Elena's body, Carl Tanzler walked out a free man. Wow. That was it. Yeah. As for Elena... No crime committed. No. He says, you're good to go. Little weird. You live with a dead body for years. No big deal. No no harm, no foul. Isn't necrophilia a crime? Well, it probably is now, but maybe maybe it wasn't then. Oh, okay, okay. I mean, you would think it should have been. I think it should have been, for Christ's sake. Yeah. Maybe. And the statute of limitation thing would have to be because the tomb, so like he broke into the tomb and stole her, so that that's why that ran out. Yeah. Because I don't think you could keep committing a crime over and over again in it. And it eventually run out. 
Right. Because it's the last, yeah, I, logically. So, yeah. So, even though he lived with her body, he only technically violated the tomb. Yeah. Just the once. Yeah. I guess I, that's how I'm... That's what about I'm violating using. a womb? Could they get him with that? <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. Because <laughs> I, I don't... I bet that didn't happen just once. No, probably not. As for Elena, her body was secretly reburied in an unmarked grave under cover of night to prevent any further tampering from Carl. Oh, yeah, because he would have probably. He's sure he would have, man. Yeah. To this day, her location remains a mystery. One of Elena's sisters and both her parents would eventually be killed by the same disease that took her life. After these messages, we'll be right back. Dawn of Mantis is brought to you by Redbeard Sound. Redbeard Sound provides music production, audio editing, and live sound engineering, and is where Dawn of Mantis records our podcast. You can find Sam's information on our website, dawnofmantis.com, or at redbeardsound.com. Extra, extra, Dawn of Mantis now has a merch store. There are t-shirts, long and short sleeve, as well as hoodies. Just go to dawnofmantis.com and click the t-shirt link. Quiet your mind. Just a few months later, in April of 1941, Carl left Key West and returned to Zephyr Hills, where he bought a home near his wife and one remaining daughter as the other passed away at the age of 10. Now, believe it or not, these, pe- these people were very forgiving because they forgave him. They were just like, welcome back. And they helped take care of him for the remainder of his life. Well, it's a it's a tenet for a lot of religions in uh, Buddhist and Taoism. You know, I mean, it's like forgiveness is something that you do for yourself, not really the person. So yeah, that might have had something to do with it. She she deserves a forgiveness like medal. Can you imagine being like, hey, I'm gonna be gone for I don't even I don't know how long. It was probably like eight or ten years. I'm gonna go dig up a body and live with it for the yeah. next several years and then I'm going to be back eventually and yeah. then could you really hook me up when I get back and kind of like cook for me and stuff yeah yeah just pretend it didn't happen <laughs> yeah yeah uh, obviously maybe she she looked at it as like a mental illness type thing which which I think it was yeah oh yeah that's like who's going to do that that's not touched really that's not mentally ill in some way I mean we didn't we didn't talk about it when you said it before but they said he was found fit to stand trial, mentally competent or whatever. Yeah. It's like, really? Was he though? Yeah. That's the same thing where like, if like, let's say some dude butchers his whole family Mm -hmm. and like cuts them up and puts them in the garbage disposal. To me, I'm like automatically, something is not really right. Yeah. But that's not, that's a slippery slope because then all of a sudden you're like, okay, anybody who murders anybody uh, is basically going to be deemed mentally like unfit to stand trial and then they just like what they're innocent by reason of insanity or yeah. something so you can't do that either yeah so like what do you do yeah maybe it's just like they figure like you know you kind of know what's going on you know what you did you know the right from wrong in a normal scenario yeah but you chose that i mean maybe that's kind of the logic behind it but that that's a very i mean we could talk we could do a whole episode about stuff like that because that's We've talked about that before in this podcast. Like, that's that's tough. Yeah. Sometimes you get so mad at some of these verdicts because of that type of thing. Yeah. I've, I've just read headlines like, you know, like, uh, killer John whatever. 
Pattinson, <laughs> yeah, Robert's brother, killed his <laughs> wife and drove through four states wearing her head as a hat. Yeah. Uh, they're currently seeing if he's fit to stand trial. Yeah. I'm just like, I'd say no. <laughs> I'd say something was yeah. aloof. I guess they're really trying to say, if you punish that person for that, do they know why they're being punished? Right. And that I think that's one one of many parts they look at. Like, can you re- rehabilitate or whatever? Yeah. I, just, yeah. <laughs> can you? Can you? I guess there is a difference between, that would be the difference between like mental illness and just insanity. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I guess you can be just batshit crazy and still know what you're doing. You just don't care. Yeah. So, yeah, curiously, just two hours after Carl left town, when he left, the mausoleum where Elena's body had rested exploded and was completely destroyed. Hmm. Most believe that this was Carl's retaliation for having taken Elena from him. Yeah. And I agree. I could see that. I could also see a family member saying, oh, you you paid for that, and then you did all that to my sister or whatever. Oh, I didn't think about that. I mean, I could see somebody blowing that up. Yeah. It's like, no, you're, no thanks, man. I never thought, yeah, because to them it could be just like a monument to his depravity. Yeah, and she's not there. Yeah. Very good point, man. I didn't I don't know. think just, about just that. Just another angle. God damn you, sir. You are, that's why I love you. Um, never thought about that way. It's crazy. (laughs) A few years later, Carl wrote an autobiography titled Fantastic Adventures, if that's what you want to call it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. In which he wrote about the entire... I thought the title of the whole book was going to be Smooth as Silk, but I didn't know if if that was, I don't know, too graphic. Hey, when I was a little kid... Late night on, I think it was Skinamax, there was that show Silk Stockings. You oh, yeah, that? yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that show. My parents, did. we were like... That was actually not even on Cinemax. Oh, I think you've corrected me before on that. It's what like was that on USA. Was it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was on USA but was it, or WGN. Was or it fairly like risque or was I just It came 12. on late at night, so it could be a little bit more risque than... Okay. I think it came on after the uh, late shows and stuff. Okay. But yeah, yeah, good show. I don't even remember watching it at plot, my... Plot, don't remember, but no, good show. I remember, yeah. <laughs> Did it have plot? I don't know. I don't remember. I just, I never watched it at my house. It would be like when I went to stay with my mom and stepdad. They had like cable. That's why I guess I thought it was on Skinamax. But I would sneak back downstairs into the den where this TV was and turn the volume down, turn it on, and I'd watch Silk Stockings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember that show yeah. for sure. And, and for, you know, we might watch it now and be like... Why did I think this was so like risque? There's there's a shin. Like I see her shin. And it's got like a lacy stocking on it. But I because guess you were, because you were nine. I was yeah, I was like, yeah, at that age. It's like ankles monthly. You're like, oh, oh, oh look at oh, oh, oh. Um <laughs> Yeah, USA Network. It was USA, really. But it it says uh wait, it says the original airing was CBS for two seasons and then CBS. uh USA from then on out. That couldn't have been risque at all. It probably wasn't jack shit. Why did I th- why is it in my head that it was this like really naughty Well, what? it was the intro. It was the intro to it. Remember okay. that? Not really. It was just like 5 minutes of a girl putting stockings on. Yeah, that that's was what it. it was. That was it and that's all I need, baby. <laughs> that's yeah, that was the plot. She puts on stockings and I watch. I'm not going to do it, but some if a listener out there wants to watch an old episode of it and send us a message on the old voicemail, that'd be awesome. There you go. Yeah. Tell us, how's it hold up after all these years? 
I, I might I might watch it. I don't know. I'll look it up. Hey, can you play like the intro music to it on here? Oh, listen to that sexy ass music. That right there is why. Well, there's a guy's sweaty pecs, and I'm gonna see that. Yep, that's putting on the stockings. You mind if I take off my pants? <laughs> oh, that was it. Yep. Yep. That's what did it. Yeah. Pop the cork, I'm spent. See, that was it. There's one, there's like a two-second clip in there where a lady walks by in the thong, and that was it. That's why I snuck downstairs. 91 to 99 is 91 what it says. to 99. I can't believe it ran that long. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, production costs probably got a lot cheaper when it switched over to USA. Probably so. <laughs> it's like, have you noticed shows back then on those networks? Like, the camera quality is immediately degraded. <laughs> <laughs> it's like iPhone 11 to iPhone 1. Yeah. Uh, it's it's crazy. As soon as it went to USA, they're like, what do we film this dog shit with? And they're like, <laughs> dig up the cameras they used to do the Andy Griffith show. I don't give a shit. We're doing this for as cheap as we can. <laughs> and what's with the 90s? There were certain shows and movies where it's like they rubbed Vaseline on the lens. It was that soft, fuzzy bullshit. Oh, yeah, was, yeah. Why'd they do that? Yeah, it was terrible. I don't know. It all looked like a, an Elizabeth, uh, what was it, uh, the White Diamonds commercial? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I remember that. What was her name? Taylor. Yeah, Taylor. White Diamonds by Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah. I don't know why. They, I mean, it's got to be money. Everything boils down to money. Those nonsensical commercials where it just shows like a guy with no shirt riding a horse in the surf on the beach, and, and it's in black and white, and then he just turns to the camera and he goes, Amalgamation by Kelvin Klein. Yeah. It's like, what the hell does this mean? Yeah. What is this? Do you smell like a horse? What does it mean? Yeah. Uh, it doesn't make me want to buy any of it. But, <laughs> but maybe someone on the planet does. I think those do appeal to like the horny board housewife that's just at home. She's just got the curtains pulled back and she's biting her bottom lip, holding a glass of champagne, like watching the pool boy clean. And she's like, those aren't the only pipes on this property need cleaning. She probably <laughs> likes commercials like that. That's how it goes in my head. Well, it, <laughs> it's just the ultimate, like, like we're all cool and we're having fun. You should, you'll be cool too if you join us. So take this product that's worthless. Amalgamation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Big Pharma should start doing commercials like that. <laughs> Zenocorp by Pfizer. I mean, I'm surprised they don't already do that for like erectile dysfunction. You know? <laughs> Side like, effects include. Yeah. Bleeding. Whisper. Yes. Crotch coral. Crotch coral. Whispering nipples. <laughs> One of those. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Okay. I don't right. want to What are we that. talking about? <laughs> oh, yeah. Carl wrote an autobiography called Fantastic Adventures. He wrote about the entire incident with Elena in great detail. He vehemently denied any suggestion of necrophilia. Obviously. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Although he had previously been deemed fit to stand trial, I think it's safe to say that a guy who covers a rotting corpse with wax and sleeps with it for seven years definitely has a few mental issues, like I said earlier. Yeah, I would agree with that. Maybe that's why the public, along with his wife, Doris, took pity on him. 
Carl quietly lived out the rest of his life and passed away on July 3rd, 1952, at the age of 75. What gets him the brownie points is that he tried so hard to save her. He even, like, stole the equipment and... Like, he was really trying to save her. I mean, no one can really deny that. No, yeah. I yeah. mean, he didn't. He wasn't like, oh, I can't wait to move her in with me after she dies. <laughs> I don't think he ever thought that. No. Yeah. So, I mean, that gives him some points with yeah. the public. Carl quietly lived out the rest of his life and passed away in July uh, 3rd, 1952, the age of 75. He was not found until three weeks after his death. Oh. His body was located on the floor uh, of his small home behind an organ. It would also seem that Carl's obsession with Elena had never foundered. Also found in his home was a life-size doll bearing her image. Mm. So I think he just made another one. Yeah. In a huge case of irony, Carl had wished to be buried in secret in an unmarked grave so that his body could not be tampered with. (laughs) Hypocrite much? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, come on. We should dig him up and hang out with him for a few years. I don't want to be dug up. And covered in plastic. It's my worst fear. I don't want a paper tube with silk inserted into my anus. <laughs> that would be most unpleasant. Anus? Anus. Okay. I like it. I don't want to be a human remote control holder. Is uh, People Never let me forget that. Whoever's li- still listening, boy. Damn, at this point. We're proud of you. We're proud of you. 30 years after his death, an article came out claiming that Carl had actually poisoned Elena. Uh, its proof was a letter supposedly found years later while a worker renovating Carl's previous home found it in the attic, I guess. The letter was allegedly written in Carl's hand and stated, She died because I gave this to her mercifully. I mixed the root of wolfsbane and asonite deluded. It was palpable. And my loved one departed this miserable world on October 25th, 1931. Suffer no more, Svita I have sent you to the angels with my golden elixir. Yeah, but you know what? That doesn't even raise eyebrows for me, you know? I mean, she was obviously just in pain, so he just did what he could because he did love her, you know? So he just went all Jack Kevorkian on her. Do you think he did? Um, I, Maybe, but it doesn't. I don't, it doesn't really change anything for me, right? Okay, okay. But it's good information. Well, okay. But are you kind of saying that he did that so he could get her corpse out fat? I mean, he could make that happen? No. He's waiting for that? I don't think he actually did it. I don't think he killed her. Oh, you don't think, you don't think so? No. Well, someone else later came forward and claimed that Carl had told them while still treating Elena for tuberculosis that he was going to kill her to possess her if he had to. However, this and the letter have never been verified, but... So it's still up in the air. It's up for debate. Okay, well, that's different. I mean, obviously, if he did that, that's, yeah, that's that's crazy. But yeah. I'd, personally, I don't think he did, though. But I could see him doing that if she was in a lot of pain and it was near the end anyway. Ooh, yeah, like a love, yeah, yeah pity, mercy, mercy type yeah. thing. Yeah. Okay. That's romantic. Well, I wouldn't quite go there. <laughs> still messed up. <laughs> The bizarre one-sided love story has become quite the legend, with pieces being added or changed here and there, so it was rather tedious to mine through all the BS and find the actual story. Carl and Elena's story has been subject of the subject of many songs, TV shows, books, YouTube videos, and yes, obviously podcasts. There are a few differing opinions on old Carl, so what do you guys think? Was he a hopeless romantic who couldn't stand losing the love of his life, or an unhinged obsessive nutcase who was reduced 
to making a woman's body a sex doll. Yeah. So again, like, what? What are you? How are you feeling on it? And then, uh, hey, people, call in. Uh, what's the number? Four one seven four Mantis. Yeah. And tell us what you think. What do you think about old Carl? Sam. Yeah. What do you think he did? Do you think she just happened to pass away, and or do you think he helped her out a little bit? Do you think he was a psycho obsessive nutcase or a, just a love struck old German? I think it was more love struck. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I'll lean that way too. <laughs> I mean, obviously, has some serious mental right. health issues, but I really think he fell in love with her so hard at the beginning that he would just do anything, you know? And I mean, there's love songs. Ain't no mountain high enough, you know? Ain't yeah. nobody dead enough. <laughs> Keep me from getting to you, babe. <laughs> you know? I'm joking, but I'm not joking. It's like he would do anything, and she died. It's like, well, I'll still do anything. Another one bites the dust. The thing that I, the only thing that I heard that you didn't say is I heard that that when she started to grade really fast, he made a mask of her, and he actually was in possession of that mask, uh, almost like a paper mache. Interesting. I'd heard or I watched something on HBO like some kind of documentary about it. And when they found him dead, the he had the dummy that he made, obviously. But the, it had the mask of her on. Yeah, I don't know. I mean... Could have been way creepier. He could have made a mold of her undercarriage. Yeah. I mean, they sell those now from for like porn stars and stuff. You can buy Jenna Jameson's booty or, you know, whatever that is, whatever I part. don't know how I know this, but I think anyone can do that. I think there's actually a company that will, for a certain price, you could gift that to your... Now... I'm not brave enough to do that because that's not, you know, the gift that I think my wife wants. Coming to the merch store, do you want to be mildly unsatisfied and let down on a nightly basis? Buy this mold of Joe from Dawn of Manta's podcast. That's right, buddy. <laughs> now, let's end on that, shall we? Looks like a sweet and sour deal. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you're out there and your lover or the person that you have a crush on dies, um, move on. Yes. That's our advice. Move on. We have to give that advice because this one guy did this. <laughs> <laughs> let them, let them uh, be in rest. Uh, let them R.I.P. Rest let in peace. Let it be. Let it, just let it be. She, the, the Beatles said that. Yeah. And I think that we're talking about. That's what they. When they she's rotting in the grave, let her be. Don't don't dig her up. That's probably what they were. Don't also don't bury her in sour ground like on uh, Pet oh, Cemetery. Don't yeah. do that either. This ground with your sour. little boy. Yes, with her little boy. It's those damn roads. That damn trucks on this road. <laughs> I had to do it at least once. <laughs> oh, beep. Uh. <laughs> All right, guys. We love we've you. Thank you for listening night. to us. Uh, got a little weird, but you're a little weird too. Admit it. So thank you for listening to us. Donamantis.com. Uh, at Donna Mantis on Twitter, on Instagram. You can find us on there as well. All right. Good night. Let me tell you about some fellas I know named Ivan, Sam, and Joe. They got themselves a little podcast, you know. And they talk about everything under the sun they find interesting, spooky, or fun. 
They sure ain't trying to impress no one. The remedy to too much time on your hands is take a little listen to the dawn of Manti. They talk about killers, monsters, and cults. French mates from hell, disappeared folks. Occasionally throw in a few dad jokes. They try to make every story extra nice by adding their own ginger spice. Not one time or two, but thrice. The remedy to too much time on you hands is take a little listen to the dawn of Manti. Now I'm sure these fellas will be around for quite a spell. Cause there sure ain't no shortage of stories to tell. Cause this old world's as weird as hell. But hell, even if nobody listened, they'd maintain a fine disposition cause shooting the breeze is kind of their mission the remedy to too much time on your hands is take a little listen to the dawn of magic the remedy to too much time on your hands is take a little listen to the dawn of magic